Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Daphne Williams, and you may know her if you're a teacher. She is the teacher career coach. She also has the teacher career coach course. Um, She has been um, obviously a teacher, um, an instructional designer, and now she is an educational consultant. And so Daphne, will you please do a better introduction of yourself? No, I think you did a wonderful job. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Daphne Williams. I'm a former teacher and I, you know, like so many other teachers out there, was kind of put in a difficult position where I really had to do some soul searching and decide whether or not teaching was going to be my forever career. And I eventually pushed myself and left the classroom. So after that, I became an educational consultant. And I worked as an educational consultant for a couple of years. I transitioned into being an instructional designer. And as I was doing all these career pivots, I constantly heard, you know, from other teachers that they had no idea how to kind of get started. So during that time, I really started focusing on utilizing my skills to start creating resources to help other teachers find different paths outside of the classroom if that was something that they were pursuing. So that's just kind of in a nutshell who I am and how I got here. So how long did it take you, Daphne, from the time that you decided that you wanted to transition out of teaching um, and then you landed your first um, job, which was as the instructional designer, it was your first one, right? I know my very first one was educational consultant, but um, that process and everybody's timeline is going to look different. That process really started in January of my last year teaching. And I, you know, I was so burnt out. I was going to the doctor for stress-related illnesses. Um, I was crying on the way to work. I had to journal my mood. Um, just to see how depressed I was. Uh, So in January, it really started to kind of hit me in my gut. Um, You know, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't how my body, this isn't how my, my brain usually functions. Just something's wrong with, with my path. And so from January to March or April, I was just doing constant soul searching. And that's when it was really formalizing that idea of, you know, I, I need to start looking for other options. And by April, that's when I really started, you know, heads down, starting to apply. I didn't land my first position until June. Um, and that was that educational consulting position. And it honestly changed my life, but in between April and June, there was a lot of heartache. You know, I constantly Googled, uh, other jobs for teachers and nothing was coming up that actually made sense. There weren't really any resources. Um, and I just constantly was really feeling that imposter syndrome when I was applying for jobs outside of the classroom, rejection letter after rejection letter. So it ultimately the application process took 
from April to June, but it was, you know, it was, there's a storm brewing inside of me for quite a while before that. What do you think was kind of the thing that made that difference for you when you landed that first job? And I've, I've seen a lot of teachers that usually takes them about three months. So you weren't actually alone, but you didn't know that, right? <laughs> did, you, did you do extra things or? Well, during that, during that time, I, you know, I started studying other positions, but my educational consulting position, you know, it felt like it came out of nowhere where it, it was actually, you know, the perfect fit for me. I found it, um, online and it, um, it felt, it felt like the perfect fit for me. And all I really had to do was, was tweak my resume to really fit that specific position. And that's one thing that, you know, teachers kind of have the biggest challenge doing it is figuring out, um, how to actually tweak their resume. Yeah. And so now, um, fast, well, I think before we fast forward, but I think maybe we should just kind of clarify what an education consultant does. Oh, it's one of the most sketchy, vague job descriptions of all time. So, <laughs> so an educational consultant, consultant just means expert. So educational consultant just means you are, you know, a subject matter expert in the educational realm. For this educational consultant position, my role is to just be free professional development for teachers throughout the United States. I, you know, I speak at national conferences on behalf of my client. I um, speak with school districts and help them understand how they can actually fit this product into their um their district initiatives, how this product can help support what they have going on in their own unique situation. And it's, it's my specific educational consultant role is a salaried position, but a lot of times educational consultant roles are freelancing positions or roles where a company may want a teacher to come in and even just do an audit of their product and pinpoint things where they can see teachers kind of getting hung up and saying, oh, I I don't like this or that. So educational consultant isn't one of the most um, commonly sought after paths because it is very vague. And a lot of times it's part-time or freelancing. Oh, that's interesting. And so you really didn't like make a transition out of the classroom, but you went back to serve those same people um, that were <laughs> once where you were. Yeah, that's actually one of the easiest pivots for a teacher to do is to stay within the realm of education, but in a new capacity. So even my role as an instructional designer was at an educational company, and my role was to make the e-learning resources and the teacher certification program to help teachers learn how to use the product in their classroom, but virtually on their own time. So um actually pivoting inside education, even in a sales role or an implementation specialist, or even a customer success manager is always easier because you have this subject matter expert background knowledge that you're able to come in. And those skills are transferable and educational companies really value that you're able to speak to pedagogy or how teachers would implement it in the classroom. And, and that's actually a strength when you're pivoting from being a traditional classroom teacher. Oh, wow. And so now, now that you run um, the teacher career coach, what's kind of your your mission there? I mean, is it to help people with their resumes or give us more details about 
how you specifically work with those teachers that, you know, are in the place where you were during the dark night of the soul. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's everything, you know, so rewriting the resume is such a huge challenge because I constantly am telling them, you know, to think outside the classroom, because a lot of times we get focused on what our classroom duties are, what subject we taught, you know, many people are asking, well, I'm just an art teacher, or um, I'm, I'm a kindergarten teacher, people can value this experience. And the answer is yes. But when you're using those skills, or when you sorry, let me rephrase that. When you're rewriting your resume, you're looking for what you actually did outside of the classroom. It's putting together the curriculum. It's doing the um, assessments, the data planning, all the project management that you're doing. Those are the skills that you're really focusing on. So rewriting the resume is a huge, and I would say one of the most critical pieces of what I do, but a lot of it is also the mindset and um First, the most challenging thing has always been kind of reducing the stigma that's associated with teachers leaving the classroom because there's a lot of teacher guilt that's associated with this. You know, there's um, there's that part inside of you where you thought that this was going to be your forever career. And even walking to the next role is such a mental hurdle because you feel completely lost, you know, you feel like you're losing a bit of your identity and all of the outside voices within your professional network are probably going to be pushing and saying, no, but you're a great teacher, so you can't quit. And that's not something that you see in other industries, you know, as an instructional designer, if you knew another instructional designer who actually wanted to be the director of marketing, you would say, you go girl, good for you, keep moving up. But if you hear a teacher who's leaving, the initial reaction is like, oh, but you can't, your students love you. And that's something that's a huge mental hurdle for teachers to overcome is um, walking away from the teacher guilt and realizing that you can still put so much back into education and to your community, even if you do transition into a new career. The next thing that I always teach is picking a new path, because if you are a little jaded and you didn't feel like you picked the right path to begin with, you put a lot of effort into this educational position, the next step feels so important, you know, and there's so many directions you can go. It's not just an education, you know, you can start looking for education programs within your community. So if you have museums nearby, those types of positions, usually look for someone to either train the people who do, you know, field trips to write curriculum to run like education programs within that organization. There's nonprofit organizations, but then there's a lot of roles that are outside of education altogether, but have a lot of transferable skills. Even um, something that's off of people's radar usually is office manager positions, just at any companies, because you have all of this planning and um, organization experience, all this project management, A lot of my teachers actually go into office manager roles. So picking a path and just figuring out what opportunities are the easiest for you to kind of get your foot in the door. And then there's constantly, you know, networking. And then when it comes to the interviewing, making sure that you present yourself professionally. So it's, you know, it's so many different parts of this process 
need a lot of handholding because it's, it's uncharted territory for many of us. Well, Daphne, I bet there are so many teachers that are listening right now and maybe even just had a, a little awakening, just the fact that you said that you could go to places like a museum where there are programs for children or education or even writing their curriculum. So what, and that it, it's really interesting what you said about the mindset. What, what's kind of your advice when um, people hear things from their colleagues or their peers, like, oh, you're leaving the children behind? And well, I actually share this story a lot and it's about a friend of mine who's actually not a teacher. Um, I share this on the very first episode of my podcast, the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. But one of my friends is a graphic designer, and she texted me that she had, you know, the perfect job. It's she's a graphic designer at a puppy adoption company. So she's creating graphics, websites, either about puppies or just looking at pictures of puppies all day. But it ended up being a really negative experience for her. They actually had a really toxic work environment. She said that there's kind of some, you know, bullying going on in her workplace. And she suffered from depression just from not being at a place that was a good fit for her. And she was there for so long. So she ended up actually leaving that company. But the point that I want people to take from this is she doesn't hate puppies and not want puppies to be adopted. You know, she's not a bad person because that culture wasn't a good fit for her or that specific company was a good fit wasn't a good fit for her she you know she just left because it wasn't you know it wasn't fulfilling her in the way that she thought it was going to and that's okay like it's okay to walk away from something that's not fulfilling you anymore and if people kind of push back and say like, you're a great teacher, you're going to teach in a different capacity. A lot of the teachers that I work with, there are people who have started roles as a software engineer. And they said that they're so much happier. And to add to that, they still help onboard new team members, just volunteer to help walk them through the process because that part of you is not going to go away. You know, you went into this role with a good heart. You went into this role because you like helping others. And if you go into a new role, you'll still continue to help others and you'll still teach, but in a different capacity. And those, and that will be still valued in the workplace too, right? Like it's still a highly valued thing to have somebody who cares and wants to be in service to others. They make great teammates. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There is there is one person that I worked with and she was um unfortunately had to just find anything. You know, her therapist was encouraging her to get out immediately and she actually just, you know, I am just getting out and I'm getting a role at a grocery store. Like I'll tutor on the side. I'll just and her tutoring gig is not bad. It's like 30 or $35 per hour on the weekends. And she said she has the mental capacity to do it a lot more. But anyhow, she got into a grocery store and she reached out and she said, Daphne, within three or four months, they started to realize that I had this like training background, even though she didn't really feel like she did because of imposter syndrome. And they promoted her 
to be, you know, the manager of the grocery store to do the trainings. That's, that's something that people are going to continue to value that and see that you're able to naturally, you know, chunk complex materials and present that to people within the organization. Yeah. And I, you know, I find that um, a lot of it has to do with mindset, you know, even in the academy, it's, I think that you're right to point that out, that, you know, even though we can talk about resumes and LinkedIn profiles and um, upping your new skills or whatever, but it all starts with mindset and taking like imperfect, messy action the whole way through. And I just really appreciate that you brought that up because really you're just, you're not going to, you're not going to feel happy if you're not following your passion, your true purpose. And as the alchemist calls it your own personal legend. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you say, do it messy for me. I just, try and always reiterate that you're going to have to get comfortable failing. And I have failed so many times, you know, speaking at national conferences in front of hundreds of people, that wasn't something that I saw myself doing, even starting a podcast or creating a course. These are all things that are scary, but you don't push forward and you don't surprise yourself at what you're able to do or achieve if you don't get comfortable embarrassing yourself and kind of failing from time to time. Yeah. We call failing learning. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I mean, teachers, you know, we teach growth mindset in the classroom, but when it comes to us personally, we get freaked out, we get embarrassed, you know, and that's totally normal and it's totally natural, but you have to just keep getting better at it. And I'm really good at embarrassing myself now. So now you have definitely worked with teachers who have wanted to become instructional designers. And, you know, because this podcast has, you know, become an idol, what do you think is some of like your best advice that you give teachers who want to specifically, they're like, okay, I'm ready to, to make a change. And I know I want my, my passion is instructional design. What's kind of your advice, you know, either, whether it's mindset or, or skills or how do you approach that? No, I, this is such a great question because a large amount of my students are obsessed with you and this podcast because instructional design is one of the best, you know, positions to kind of pursue. First, I always ask them, you know, to really, really um, start to consider if this is the right direction for them by by reflecting back on the classroom and the classroom challenges, were they the types of person or people that um, liked to learn new technology? They liked educational technology. They liked to create those lessons. And if they were someone that felt very frustrated and you know o- always overwhelmed, then they might want to do baby steps into instructional design as like a long-term career path. But right now, if they're really burned out, maybe they want to pursue something else and then use, you know, use a larger time frame to work in this direction. But there are so many people who said that was the part of virtual learning that I felt like I, you know, I crushed it. I was really easy for me to pick up these new technology. And so those people, after they've, after they've identified that this is a path that they really want to pursue, I tell them, you know, you already have the adult learning theory pretty much down and you don't realize it 
but start to really quickly look up those adult learning theories um, to make sure you understand them and can speak to them confidently. But most importantly, start to look at the industry standard tools and try and download some of the free trials and, and teach yourself um, how to do those uh, platforms. So articulate, you know, the things that teachers probably have never actually seen or heard of. But as you're doing those free trials, if they happen to have a free trial, you also need to be learning uh, or you also need to be creating a portfolio or something to show people and not something that's kid centric. It needs to be something that a company would see you as an instructional designer and not a teacher who's, you know, kind of dabbling into this world. So all of the, all of those steps are there. You're able to kind of take each step and realize I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And it seems daunting, but that's always why I kind of push people to listen to you and, and to follow you because you are the one who can help them kind of simplify all those steps and walk them through. So they're not wasting time during that process. Yeah. And you know, you're so right about the part where we make sure to remove things um, even from their portfolio that are kid centric or old lesson plans that you used in the classroom. And I don't know, Daphne, have you uh, had any of your teachers encounter this? I know some of my students have where you know, even though their portfolios are looking, you know, hot and fresh, they are, once the interviewer finds out that they were a teacher, they feel the energy kind of shift in that interview. And they feel kind of um, that there is a little bit of a, and it's not every interview, but they have experience where there is a bias against their background. Have you had uh, any teachers say this to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the entire modules in my course is built on helping them challenge um, any sort of bias. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, when you're going into the interview, what's happening is they really want you to be the right fit. But especially right now, you know, all you have to do is get on LinkedIn and you can see this is the role that many teachers are, are pursuing, but they're pursuing it kind of like they're, they're trying it out, but not that they've taught themselves all the skills necessary or that they're even confident that this is the right role for them. There's a difference between changing your LinkedIn header to be a role or actually studying and really being focused on this is the role. And that's what you have to be able to actually prove to an interviewer or a hiring manager is I am 100% confident that this is the right choice for me. And not just because I know that they hire teachers, but because look at all the work I've done. Look at all the different ways that I've pursued this role. This is all the background information I have about this role. And I am confident because X, Y, and Z. I know I'm the perfect person for this role because of this. And I always kind of talk about it like, Consider you just, you know, went through a really bad divorce and you're going on your very first date and the person knows that you just went through a divorce. They are going to be kind of looking for red flags and it's, it's very important that you go in confident and you don't give them the red flags that you're not sure if you are even committed to this role or that role. You need to go in and, and show them I am confident and this is why. Yeah, man, that. 
that analogy right there definitely could apply to so much of interviewing, right? Like you definitely don't want to um, show any hangups on your, uh, on your ex-husband or, um, you know, say anything bad even yeah. about your and former role. Yeah. And that's one of the challenges. And it's, you know, I actually, you know, I had my own experiences. If you wanted to sit down with me and have a glass of wine and talk about why I left teaching and specifically like the toxic work environment that I was in, I could vent to you for a very, very long time, but that is the attitude you need to try and hide from the rest of the world. You can't have it on social media. You can't, if you're networking, you can't tell them how much drama the last experience was because you're just raising a lot of red flags that you might not be a good fit for the culture. And so what I did when I was creating all my materials on my course, I actually worked with an HR expert and a career coach who I, you know, I consult with her and make sure she can help me because she has 10 plus years in recruiting and 10 plus years as a hiring manager, you know, like she's worked in all these roles as a professional resume writer, and she can help me, you know, translate all of those really common questions, like, why are you leaving teaching into the accurate, you know, HR friendly answers that don't raise red flags, but don't feel like you're lying. Yeah. So um, I know that you have just really poured in a lot of value to this um, episode, Daphne, and I really appreciate you being here. So just to kind of wrap it up, what's kind of, you know, your best advice for those teachers making the transition? I, I you know, whether it's instructional design or not, I just know that there are so many teachers that um, listen to this podcast and really value um, what you have to say. So if there's any like last tips or, you know, how can you translate that for the interview or whatever it is, um, what is it? <laughs> yeah. And this is actually not going to be tangible resume writing advice or picking a new path advice. I think that the best thing that I want everybody to take away from this conversation is you mentally right now are probably going to struggle you are going to send out a resume and it might be a not so great resume or it might be a perfect resume, but you're gonna face some rejection during this process, but that doesn't mean that you're not on the right path. You know, you need to just keep pushing forward, reflect on what you can change. And a lot of this process is gonna be kind of yucky and unfair. You know, some hiring manager may interview you and you crush it, but, you know, there's an internal um, reference bonus and somebody in marketing, you know, their cousin applied. So they get a $2,000 bonus if their cousin ends up getting it. And so they really hardcore push for him to get the job. And that's just kind of the nature of the game. And it sucks, you know, it, it's part of the process and it's going to, you're going to have ups and downs during this entire process, but just know that if this is something that you're dedicated towards and you just keep reflecting on what you can do, you just keep focusing on improving week after week and building towards this goal, it's going to happen for you. And, you know, everybody's timeline is going to be different, but the thing that, you know, I tell everybody is it only takes one single yes mm -hmm. to change your life and to do, and to start moving in this path. So whether it's a hundred no's or 10 no's, you're going to hear them and it's going to make you start to feel bad, but that's outside of your control. And the only thing you can control is just keep working towards it. Ooh, 
that's so good. All you need is one yes. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just one single yes. <laughs> that's beautiful. Daphne, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on the Become an Idol podcast. I appreciate you and I heart you so hard. Thank you so much. Um, I am so happy to be here. You know, I'm a big fan girl of yours. And anytime I get to talk to you is a really good time for me. So I appreciate it. And I look forward to coming back someday again, hopefully. Yeah. And I'll um, drop links in the uh, show notes for um, how they can find you, how they can find your course, where they can follow you on Instagram, but it's at teacher career coach, right? Yep. Okay. Beautiful. Thanks again, Debbie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.